How many of you went out and did something for Valentine's last night? You actually went out and did something? How many stayed home and did something? How many totally did nothing? Good. Hey, any single people? Look around. Scan the room. You never know. This year, next time. Anyway, um, great to have you here. Happily ever after part three. And so, uh, so glad you're here. If you have not been here, please go watch online. Go grab the CDs. They're in the back for free and, and catch up with us because this series has been so fun. This is one of my favorite subjects to talk about. I think if you track um, my my excitement level, you can track it by two ways. Number one, my words per minute jumps off jumps off the chart and I usually talk really fast. And then two, the sermons are so much longer. And so, but it's only because I love it. And I love this subject and I love this topic because um, here's what I believe. I, I, I believe that God wants you to have a incredibly blessed and awesome marriage. And we learned in week one that that doesn't just start after you get married and after the honeymoon's over. That actually starts when you're dating and when you're single. And so this series is really for, for single people. This is for married people. This is for anybody that, that, that looks forward to the future and thinks, I think I could be married again one day maybe. It, it's that whole spectrum there because I think God wants you to have great relationships. That's just what I believe. But the problem is, is we live in a culture and a society that makes that really, really difficult to pull off. It's, it's just really hard. Everything in this culture kind of moves you towards something anti-biblical and anti-God and anti-good relationships because of that. Like, we have all these theories and ideas about relationships, and so many of them are false and counterproductive. And then all of a sudden, we take a look into this ancient old-school book written thousands of years ago. And we, we find and kind of discover that God actually, he's got the blueprint for what makes relationships great in life and nothing has changed everything that the bible teaches about great relationships still holds true to this day and so we've been looking at like not not like how do you not how do you fall in love we're pretty good at that sometimes we do that too quickly or with the wrong person or you know we take things too quick too far so there's all we're not i have a problem with falling in love we have a problem with staying in love and, and so we have this thing that we're trying to work out. And so we, we, we talked about from the beginning that we need to not only find someone who's dateable, but become someone who's dateable. And that when we really find the best relationship, this is kind of what it might look like in my most kind of odd description. But it's a person of the opposite sex that you consider like your best friend and you want to make out with them. And, and, and that you want to go in life because what you want to do is, is, and we talked about this last week, is build a foundation of your marriage and the foundation of your relationship, not on physical touch, but actually on the idea of friendship. Because most of life is not romance, is it? Valentine's just one day of the year, right? Most of life, because when you talk to people who've been married for 20, and we're talking about successfully married for 20 years and 30 years and 40 years, what they'll tell you is this, is that most of life isn't romance. Most of life is in the in-between. It's in the meantime. It's in the, you know, like, well, what do you do? Well, now she's pregnant, and now we got a newborn, and well, now we, we just moved, and now he just took a new job, and he's, and so all, the, all these little stages of life that have nothing to do with romance, but actually are, are actually, you weather all the storms of life and you enjoy all the great parts of life, not because you've got heat and passion all the time, because nobody has heat and passion. Oh yeah, I do that, right? It's a big P, passion all the time, but your, your relationship is built on a great friendship. But here's the deal though. This is what some of you may not think about, but here's what I believe is that great passion is built off of a great friendship. And that's where we're going today. Uh, there's this kind of thought in, in marriage that sometimes, you, you know, you, you, you are married long enough. And in the early stages, you have romance, you have passion, you have heat, you have attraction, you have chemistry, you have whatever these elusive thing, terms that we, we use sometimes. But sometimes if we introduce that too soon, we never develop the friendship and then we, we get down the road years later or dating years later or married years later. And we're like, I don't know that I even like you that much, but we, you know, we're together. And so friendship comes first. But I think this, I think great romance is built on great friendship. Because when you have great friendship, that protects the relationship from all the criticism or all the chaos. It protects it so that romance can actually flourish. So today we're going to look at a text that you might not think directly relates to the idea of romance, but I'm going to show you how it does. And so if you have your Bible, believe it or not, I want you to turn to the book of Revelation. <laughs> and there's no beast or prophet or there's nothing crazy. But in the beginning of the book of Revelation, there, it starts off with uh, the Apostle John kind of writing to these seven different churches. 
And each church, God has something to say to them. And usually there's something where he commends them and says, hey, look, I appreciate this and you're really good at that. And I'm glad you're doing that. But everybody say, but there's a but usually in all of these church conversations that he has. He goes, but and there's usually something that they need to change, fix or correct. And in this church, I want you to see something because inside of this kind of admonition and correction that Jesus gives this church is the I think the hidden key and ingredient to lasting romance. Are you ready? Check this out with me. So if you have your Bible, if not, read along. The Bible says to the angel of the church of Ephesus, this is what I want you to write. Number one, I want you to know, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. How many know those are all good things, right? Everybody loves hard work, deeds, perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. Again, this is just the, hey, I'm proud of you for this. You, you, you have persevered and you have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. So let's, this is the idea I want you to get. This is a good church, right? I mean, if you describe that church, you're like, that's a good, I could attend that church. That's a good church. And so there's not a bad thing going on here. But what you're about to see is that it changes a little bit here. Yet, that's, that's a, a fancier but. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. So this is the church, right? It's a good church. They're working hard, good deeds, everything seems to be good. He goes, yet, but I need you to like, hey, there's something we need to talk about. you got to remember, like, the, the Bible uses God and, and, and the church with a metaphor. And it basically uses Jesus as kind of the groom and the church as a bride. So there's a relational there, right? So you got this, this kind of husband, wife, bride, groom thing going on there. And, and he says, look... I appreciate all of the good things that you're doing, and I, I really, really am glad you're doing that, but it's not the way it used to be anymore. It, it, the, the, the same passion that you used to have is not there anymore. The same, you, you've, I just want, you've forgotten your first love. And he kind of corrects the church. And, and if you're a believer out there, and if you have been a believer and a Christ follower for any length of time, you may have experienced this before. And here's what I'm talking about. Many times when we first come to Jesus, and we have that kind of eye-opening, jaw-dropping, oh my gosh, we have these wow moments with God. And they're awesome. There's nothing but I remember being a teenager and going to camp um, right after I had kind of made the decision to turn towards God. And I had this just amazing experience with God. And you come back almost euphoric, right? You come back on a high. You come back with this excitement and passion. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to take on hell with a water gun. And I'm going to share my faith with everybody. And I'm going to be even a little obnoxious. And people won't even like how much I love Jesus. And you have all this energy and all this excitement. And then, and my buddies warned me of this when I was a brand new believer. They were like, oh yeah, you got that new Christian thing about you. I'm like, what does that mean? And they're like, trust me, it wears off. And I'm like, no, no, this will never, this will be, I was in my, Jesus is in my heart forever. I will always be this passionate. And, and, and so they're like, they're like no. You go through phases, okay? And then one guy was like, look, he sounded like Ivan Drago from Rocky Four. He's like, you're going to go through the breaking. I'm like, what is that? He goes, that's where God begins to break you of all your junk. And so anyway, and I'm like, well, I can still be passionate and be, be breaking. And so... So they, they tried to warn me, and i got to be honest, there's somewhat truth to that, but I also have seen a lot of people that experience God the same way. They're very, very excited right out of the gate. Jesus is a new experience. They love God. They're ready to share their faith with the whole world, and like I said, almost be a little obnoxious about it, and, and, and do and go and serve and whatever. And then, slowly over time, it's like, it's like you, the euphoria fades. And, 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 and so you got to stay, I want, I want to say passionate about your relationship with God. And there's ways that you do that. And Jesus says it real, real simple here. He goes, hey, remember, you know, how it used to be. Like, consider where you had come from. Repent and do the things you did at first. Meaning, like, the very things that you did as a new believer, don't ever stop doing those. We have this tendency in life to think that our actions should follow our feelings. Now think about that for a moment. 
If you let your actions follow your feelings, you'll end up in prison eventually. If you, if you allow your actions to always follow your feelings, you'll end up divorced. You'll end up broke. You'll end up all kinds of bad things. Why? Because your feelings are bad sometimes, right? Do y'all have holy feelings and I'm the only one that doesn't? Don't look at me like I'm a new fence and you're a cow. Don't do that to me. Um, I, all I know is, is that like if I always followed my feelings, my life would be in a world of hurt. So my feelings are not always... As a matter of fact, what the Bible actually teaches is this. It teaches that feelings follow actions. And so even when you don't feel something, you do something. Let me put it in the most simple way. This is so simple. Let me ask you this question. Is it still good for you to act biblically even when you don't feel like it? I got two confident people in this room. It's not a trick question. Okay, let's try this again. Is it still good to act biblically even if you don't feel like it? Okay, good. Yeah, you're brilliant people. And so confident too. And so... My point is, is that we live in a certain way and the, the Bible kind of teaches the idea that feelings follow actions. So we don't wait till we feel something to do it. We do something until we feel it. Does that make sense? And so Jesus gives this kind of antidote and he says, hey, look, just remember, repent and go back to doing what you used to do. When you do those things, feelings follow actions. Now, marriage seems to have sometimes the same kind of track record, doesn't it? That when you're dating, and when you're in the early phases, and sometimes there's a fall off when you're engaged because Bridezilla comes out, but then it comes back, and there's the honeymoon period. Did you know that most people get a divorce within a seven-year time period? It's usually right there between six and seven years. And the reason why is, is because of the way that we've gone with our passion level. And we get over the hump of certain things and life changes and things happen. And because we didn't build our, our marriage on a friendship. And then because there's no launching pad to move us and keep us into romantic feelings. We get over a certain time period and that hump kind of, of life that we jump over eventually. All of a sudden we're like, well, I don't feel the same way that I used to about you. But we already determined that if we don't respond to our feelings, because that can be dumb, right? And so Jesus' antidote was, you don't feel your way into actions, you act your way into feelings. So if you ever lose your passion, I want you to remember, and I want you to repent, and then I want you to return to doing the things that you used to do. Isn't, isn't that what he said? Remember. As a matter of fact, there was a, it was a, a, a marriage teacher I was listening to. And he's a psychologist, and he basically was saying that, he goes, I can tell if the marriage's future is strong simply by asking them how they remember the early years of their relationship. And that marriages that still have a fond memory of their relationship, they have a much brighter future ahead of them because the way they remember things. But if everything you remember is awful and negative, like you've got even more obstacles and hurdles to jump over. So like he says, remember, he says, repent. We think that's a churchy word of like, get rid of your sin. No, no. To repent literally means just to change, to turn around, change what you're doing. When you lose your passion in marriage, take a look at what you're doing and recognize it ain't working. I need to change something about the way that I'm talking or acting or responding or doing or my priorities or my I, I, something's got to change. And then he just says, hey, now, look, this is the secret. This is the secret to, to the lasting romance. Go back and do the things you used to do. Now, here's what I want to do today is I want to just give out some ideas on romance for just big thoughts on romance and how you keep lasting romance in your life. But, but this is what i got to say before I keep going any further. Guys, stay with me here. Because some of you, not all of you, some of you believe that romance is for women. And that's true. It, it, you would be wrong, though, if you believe that romance was only for women. Because, like, this, and, and a guy said this to me, and, and, and I, I, it was so true, it's so funny. But most of the time, when Valentine's Day comes around, around how many of you know it's not a, a, a holiday that the dude really gets to celebrate, right? Whose holiday is it really? Yeah, but th because that's what we think. We believe that romance is for women or weird dudes. You know what I mean? With super skinny jeans. Weird, just too, too skinny. We believe that romance is for women or skinny jean people. Or, or here's another falsehood that we have about romance. We, we just believe that, you know, well, I'm just not romantic. 
Okay, romantic is not, is not a thing, like, like a personality trait. That's not what it is. Like, oh, well, well, he's just really romantic. No, no, he just does romantic things. That's the only difference. So it's not a personality trait. You don't have to be romantic or not be romantic. Guys, you just have to do romantic things. And then, then let me just say this too. Romance is not just seasonal, guys. So like, it's not like, okay, it's her birthday. Do something romantic. It's Valentine's Day. Do something romantic. We're, we're going to learn. I just, I just want to break some of the, 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 the misconceptions that we have, okay? So dudes, you're going to learn today that you are romantic, We just got to figure out what that is, okay? So, here we go. Four thoughts on romance. Number one is this, and this is based off what we just read. Thought number one is this. What you did to get them is what you do to keep them. What you did to get them is what you do to keep them. Isn't this what Jesus, in essence, was saying in the book of Revelation? Like, go back and do the things you did at first. Because, guys, you were not lazy in the beginning. Ladies, you were not mailing it in in the beginning. You changed your outfit multiple times to make sure that you look good. That doesn't need to change when you get married. Does that make sense? Like, keep work, keep, do, keep doing the silly things, the little things, the fun things, the cute things, the unique things. Guys, they love it when you try to be charming and you're just funny. They like it. Like, I'm telling you, like, they, and I'm telling you what most women really appreciate. They don't care if you really pull it off, because most of the time you don't. They just like the fact that you tried. Because every, every woman wants to be pursued, and every person, every human being is like this. We all long to be longed. Don't we? Isn't it just a great thought to think, wow, they're working it for me. They're trying to get my attention, my affection. They're doing little things to get... They're they're in pursuit of me. And we appreciate it when people pursue us. Um, It it makes us feel like, you know, we're we're a free agent in, in baseball. And every team is just, you know, trying to throw offers our way. Guys, we like the idea of being pursued. Ladies, you like the idea of being pursued. Now, here here's the truth, though. And guys, this is where you fall into a trap more so than women do. Guys are goal-oriented for the most part. Now, again, I had this happen last week where they were like, that's not true. It was a girl saying, that's not true. I don't like shopping like that either. And so, um, because it's making fun of how most women shop. And I'm like, okay, just so you know, like this is a relationship series. So I talk in general ideas or sometimes stereotypes. So just know that everything does not always apply to every, I know that. So, but generally speaking, men are very, very goal-oriented. And so what we do is, is we start off in life and we think, what's our goal as a young man, men? Get a girl. Try to trick them into liking you. Get a girl to like you. That's my goal. Get her number, get her, you know, get, get her digits, get her to text me, get her to like me. That's what, that's my goal. And so then that just kind of progresses depending on what age you're in, right? And so your goal in general though is, as a man, is like, I need to get a wife or get a girl or I need to get married. And so that becomes a goal. And the problem is, is once we have attained that goal, then we switch and move on to a new goal, which leaves the wife feeling like, why am I not being pursued anymore? Why am I no longer the goal? And so then they feel a little bit like as an afterthought or possibly neglected because the man has moved on to a new goal. And usually that goal is need to provide for a woman. You know, that, that's, that's our archaic kind of like got woman, get meat for woman, you know, that, that kind of thing. And so... Um, So then we get into work mode, and we think goal is to provide. And so then many of us dedicate our lives to our work, and in our mind, we're actually dedicating our lives to our work for our woman or for our family, but what in... in, the negative result is, is we've taken our attention off of them, even though what we, this is why you, when I get to couples in counseling many times, and you've seen this too, is you get a couple and she's saying, well, I don't feel like, you know, I have your attention anymore and I just feel needy and you don't ever want to do these things for me. And I don't. And so there's, there's basically the woman communicating, I have need and you're not meeting those needs. Then the man responds defensively and his defense is, but look at what all I do for you. I work this. I do this. I slave this. I tried. And so, so basically what he's communicating is she's saying this, I need love. 
And then he communicates, but I've been giving you love. And the problem is, is that the definitions of love are different. And she has a different definition of love than he has a definition of love because he was so goal-oriented in providing. That was his way of saying, I, I love you. And so I'm just telling you that, that that's good. Keep your job. Keep working hard. But go back to the beginning. What were the things that you did in the beginning made her feel loved. You were still in pursuit mode back then. You're always pursuing. Ladies, you have another, another trap that you fall into because of the, the family dynamic and because uh, most of the time, um, well, in all times, y'all are giving birth to the kid and in most of the times, you, you're, you're, you're the primary kind of care provider for the kid. And so what happens is, is that you used to when you were dating and you used to when it was just the two of you, you gave him tons of attention and you boosted his ego and you made him feel like he was the man and you did little things for him and you went out of your way to do things. You went and picked up this and you made him that. and you, you He was feeling like, wow, I really got her attention. She's doing things for me. And then your attention shifts later in life to being a maybe a caretaker for children and then all of a sudden most of your attention most of your care is no longer on the man it's on the kid which is great like i said guys don't stop working and and then don't don't forget about the kid okay don't leave the kid in the car um I'm not saying you begin to neglect these things. What I'm saying is you have to balance these things. And, and in marriage, to keep the romance going so the romance can last a lifetime, you still have to be in pursuit mode. And what Jesus says was, is that the key to keeping your romance and the passion alive in your relationship is you just keep doing the things you did in the beginning. Like, guys, keep brushing your teeth. Keep taking showers. Keep trying to be smooth. Keep trying to make them laugh. Close the door and turn on the fan when you use the bathroom. Come on now. Take your socks off when you get into bed. Do the things that you know you need to do. Can I get an amen, ladies, please? And so do, do the little, and I don't know what the little things that you did. I did dumb things. I, I did things I don't want to share with you because it's a little embarrassing. Go do those things. What you did to win them is, is what you will do to keep them. Let, let's go on. Number, thought number two is this. Learn what romance means to your spouse and be romantic on their terms now. Now, guys, look at me. You're romantic. You have things that mean the world to you is what I mean. Because romance, in essence, is just saying to the other person, hey, there's no one like you. You're special to me. There's no one more important to you. That's, in essence, the root of what you communicate when you're being romantic. So, so ladies, listen to me. Ladies, look. Your man is romantic, but that does not mean flowers. He doesn't want flowers. If you want flowers, just go ahead and ask for it. But I'm assuming you don't want flowers. My, my point is this. If you took a stereotypical dude, what's romantic to him might be, ladies, you putting on a jersey, cooking some bacon, and watching a football game with him. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know what your, your dude has his own description of what romantic is. It just, it's just probably not chocolates and dancing. Does that make sense? There, there's probably a, a, a cured meat involved. Um, there's, okay. Listen, listen, this goes both ways. First Peter chapter three, verse seven. This is husbands. Look at me. Your wives have certain things they want to do and they make no sense to you. I don't care. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Like they do, they want things that you don't want. That's okay. They want things that are romantic to them or not romantic to you. That's okay. You're not doing romantic things for you. That'd be weird. You do romantic things for for her. And wives, you do romantic. You just got to figure out what that is. Now, I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you insider information right now. You need to write this down. Now, I'm going to give you what I think are the core foundational needs of a man and of a woman. Ladies, we're going to do the men first. I need you to write this down because this is going to be, you know, kind of your roadmap for how you do things. Are you ready? These are the four needs of a man. Are you ready? Four needs of a man. I put them all up here because this is what happens. I talk fast and then somebody's like, oh, what was number three? I just put them all up here. Okay, Uh, the four needs of a man. Number one is everybody say honor. Now, guys have sensitive egos. Okay, we need to be built up. We need to have boost of confidence. We need you to blow smoke places. 
And, and we need you to make us feel like we're awesome, okay? Because we don't always feel awesome. We don't always know if you're happy. We don't always know if we measure up in life. We're kind of wondering, depending on how critical dad was or how many kind of failed attempts at whatever we had in life, our little ego could be a little fragile. And we just need honor. And, and we need respect. Now, now, ladies, I know what many of you, your kickback is, well, if he'd do something respectful, maybe I would. Or he'd do something. Uh, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Is it, is it good to act biblical even when you don't feel like it? Okay. So the, when you go read what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5 is, is in his biggest take on marriage in all of the New Testament, he basically sandwiches it with two ideas. And the first idea is wives honor your husbands. And then at the end of it, it was wives respect your husbands and everything else is sandwiched in the middle. Now, don't get me twisted. I'm not even talking about dudes right now, but, but that's just what it says about ladies. Guys need honor. Above every other need that they have, in my opinion. Based on what Paul said, that's just what they need. So, ladies, I'm telling you that what you can do to help your man feel loved and create an environment of romance is make sure that you do things that honor him. Now, I'm going to tell you where the biggest, the biggest place that you can do that is it's typically honor him verbally. Men, again, speak a different language than women do. And sometimes women have a, 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 there's a possibility that you're saying things in a way or in a tone or using certain words. And it is like, it's rude. It's disrespectful to the dude and to you. It's totally normal. It doesn't come off that way at all. So I'm just telling you, be careful verbally with how well you honor your husband. Number two is this, sex. I won't make you say that out loud. So, normally like, everybody say honor. <laughs> I'll say it, sex. And so I'm just telling you needs, right? Needs. He might have a higher need, a higher drive than you. Maybe not. In most cases it is. I'm just telling you that that makes a man feel like his needs are being met. Number three is this kindred fellowship. This is one that, ladies, I think that you kind of you gloss over. Dudes actually like it when their wives will buddy around with them and pal around with them and go do things. Like my dad always wanted my wife or my wife, my mom to go hunting with him. Like that's what all my dad wanted was for my mom to go sit in a deer stand and rub deer pee all over herself. That is all that he would have. He would have just absolutely glowed in life had mom rubbed deer pee on herself for him. That would have been the most romantic thing she would have ever been able to do. Deer pee. If you don't know, deer hunters rub deer pee pee on themselves to cover their scent so the deer don't smell them and run away. Okay. Uh, so, so kindred fellowship. This is why, it, 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 ladies, uh, this is annoying, but this is why your young man wants you to play video games with him. I know, I know. But so, so somebody in the back just said, hey, um, they, they, they just, they appreciate that more than you think. Because, ladies, I think what you, you believe is, is, oh, well, I'll just give him his space to go do his guy things. And that's true. A man has a need for autonomy and some, some alone time. That's true. But don't forget that sometimes he really, really feels like romantic when you're just buddying and howling and doing things that he thinks is fun. And then lastly is domestic support. There's something about a man that appreciates not just having a house but having a home. And there's a difference. And so that domestic support where, ladies, you have done something in particular or specific to say, hey, look, I know that you like this and this makes you feel like you're at home. And I'm telling you, it just does things. And when, ladies, you do these things, I'm telling you, your man feels like his needs are being met. And that, in turn, will relate to romantic feelings. All right. So, ladies, did you get that? Did you write that down? If y'all don't give me like an amen, we are not moving on to the needs of a woman. Okay, okay. So, so all right. Now, men, pen, paper, tattoo, and, and get four needs of a woman. Four needs of a woman. Number one is this, security. I'm telling you, for, for, for a woman to feel safe and secure in the relationship, it's, it's, it's the starting point of everything else. Because if everything, if, if that is shaky, everything else is shaky as well. If that is shaky, everything else, there's just doubt. There, there is that insecurity. There's that wonder. There's that, I don't, I'm not sure. And so I'm telling you, that you need to make sure that they feel absolutely confident in your faithfulness absolutely confident that you will put their her needs and the family needs above your own needs. So when guys, when you start doing weird things, like you just disappear, 
and don't nobody know where you are, you're breeding insecurity. When you go out and just start spending dumb amounts of money for, for no good reason, it just creates and breeds insecurity. When you go do things that jeopardize the family or her or the future, it just creates this environment of insecurity. And this is a need. Women need to feel secure in the relationship. Number two is this, open communication. Guys, you've probably heard this before. You got about 2,000 words per day on average that you communicate, and women have about 5,000 words per day that they communicate. And so what happens is, is that you spend all your time talking about fancy football or whatever, and, and you use up all your 2,000 words, and then you come home, and then your wife is like, oh, how was your day? It's fine. Okay, that's not good enough. They want details. They want to know what you did and what you were feeling as you did it. Okay? They want to know. They want openness. They want to communicate. Women are verbal creatures. Okay? That whole thing about you, woman, meat, and two words is all you got. That's not good enough for them. You, You need to learn to articulate. And you need to learn how to listen without trying to fix everything. Just listen. Just be supportive. Like if, if like, cause this is the tendency of a dude in terms of communication is the woman starts talking about something that happened and, and something bad that happened or whatever. And you jump in and be like, you know what? Well, you know, you start trying to correct her and how she th- should have thought about it differently or she shouldn't have felt that way about it anyway. Or, you know, I'll just fix whatever, you know, what, and I, they don't want you to do that. Shut up. Listen. And when they say something was awful, you say, yeah, that sounds awful. How dare they? When she talks about a coworker being obnoxious, you're like, he is obnoxious. I should go slap him for you. And just, just jump on her bandwagon. Agree with what she says and be supportive. Quit trying to fix everything. But on your end of the, of the table, talk. Have words. Think, like when you drive home, here's what the best thing you can do is, is turn the little, little dials in your brain. To a setting that says, I'm going to go home now, and I need to let go of whatever happened in traffic, and at work, and whatever, and I'm going to give thought and attention to my wife. So that when I walk in the door, I'm going to look her in the eye, I'm going to greet her, I'm going to acknowledge her, and I'm going to talk, and I'm going to be prepared to be present and available to them because they need open communication. Number three is this, and guys, you're going to love this one, non-sexual touch. Yeah. Hey. They need it, okay? And I understand this. I totally get this. Sometimes I'm like, babe, stop it. I just want to cuddle. Sometimes like, sometimes I, I'm just kidding, that's never happened. I've never once been like, I just want to cuddle. It's never happened in my life. But they, but they do. The look, her putting her hand on your leg is not an invitation to take your clothes off. Okay? They just want to touch your knee. Chill out. Okay? Dial it back a little bit, soldier. And so they need, they want a hug. They want to cuddle. They want to hold hands on date night when you're walking downtown. Like, just hold her hand. And put your fingers in between, too. Like, make it real. Don't just cup. That's like first base of hand-holding. You get the fingers, interlock the fingers. It's intimate. Okay, non-sexual touch. Every time they touch you, it's not an invitation, okay? Just be prepared to touch without... But, I mean, if it happens, you know what I'm saying, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and, then, and then lastly, headship. Headship. Now, headship is a biblical term. It's not a, it's not a cultural term. And, and many times it's confused because most, uh, most women get, get upset if they think like, well, you're not going to tell me what to do. Or, or, or men take advantage of it and be like, well, you have to do what I say because Ephesians chapter 5 is it, you know what? And we get dumb about it. And, and so, look, here, here's what headship means. I'll tell you what women I think really, really want and really, really appreciate. They want you to be actively involved in all of the dynamics of the relationship and of the family. Because this is what happens too many times. is like the, 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 the wife has an issue with the kid and the kid's going through a thing. And, and then they, they're wanting to talk to you about it. You're like, well, I don't know. Do whatever you want. That, that's not headship. 
Headship means that I am actively involved and I'm willing to take responsibility. It doesn't mean you lead everything because you're not good at everything. She's better than you at some things. So let her lead. But headship means this, is that I'm ultimately responsible for, therefore I'm actively involved in all things, and I'm willing to participate or help or lead in any area that you need me to. Like I'm actively involved in everything and will take responsibility for anything. Does that make sense? And when you check out or don't care or do whatever you want to do, that does not give them that sense of... So I'm telling you, you start building everything off of these things and you're going to be well on your way of figuring out what can I do for him to make him feel loved? What can I do for her to make her feel loved? Let's keep moving because I don't want to be here forever. Um, Actually, I kind of do. I really enjoy this. Um, Number Thought number three is this, is romance comes from a servant spirit. Romance comes from a servant spirit. Because now you have made it a point to Michael J. Fox that thing and go back to the future and start being romantic again, start being suave again, start being funny again, start being sweet again, start burn the flannel nightgown lady. Um, When you go back, right? I don't want to get too descriptive here. I'm going to let that statement stand alone. It, It speaks what it is. So, so anyway, when you start doing the things that you used to do, when you start meeting or figuring out what their needs are and how they define romance, now all it requires is a servant spirit. That's what really it requires. Because you might know that you need to go back and do what you used to do, and you might know all the needs that she has now. But if you don't have a servant spirit, then it'll never get done. But romance flows out of that. I told you that all scriptures dealing with human relationships definitely and absolutely apply to marriage. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus, before he leaves, leaves. His last illustrative sermon was this. This is how important it was to Jesus. He gathers his boys together and does the lowliest task in the household, which is washing people's feet. And at the end of this foot washing ceremony that he has, he says these words. He goes, if I am your Lord and teacher, meaning if anybody could have bypassed this, If anybody didn't have to stoop that low, if anybody could have said, look, I'm God. I don't know if you know that, but I don't have to do this. It was him. But he didn't. And so he said, if I can wash your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Because I've given you an example that you should also do just as I have done. The servant spirit is the spirit that Jesus wanted to leave with all of his disciples because he goes, this is the only way this thing's ever going to get done. This is the only way that my gathering, this fellowship of believers that have faith in me, the only way this is going to spread to the entire world is if you have a servant spirit. Let me tell you, let me translate it into marriage now. For your marriage to be great and to have lasting love and romance and friendship, you're going to have to adopt a servant spirit. Because guys, let's go back to servant spirit. What did I say? Bam. Romance comes. From a servant spirit. I had a guy that for the longest time, his wife verbally just flat out asked for it. Will you please, I really, really want to go dancing. He had two left feet. Couldn't dance at all. I don't want to go dancing. Dancing's dumb. Dancing's stupid. And so like we're having this conversation in marriage counseling. Just take her dancing. She doesn't want to go dancing because you're Rico Suave. And you do the merengue. She doesn't care how good you dance. It's going to make her feel loved and appreciated when you make a step towards her to do what she wants to do that makes her feel loved. And that of you only requires a servant spirit. She doesn't care if you can dance. And so I'd be like, just take her dancing. Ladies, it, it could be the same way. It could be that you just say, hey, look, you know, I know you, you want me to you know, watch this with you or do this with you or go here. Oh, fine, I'll just go do it. And don't do it with a bad attitude. Like, choose to do it in a servant spirit. Just says, yeah, if that makes you feel loved, I'll go do it. Because we've already recognized that men are very different than women and women different than men. And you have different needs. But the only way for you to meet that other person's needs is not for you to stand your ground and say, you got to do it my way and you got to do it on my terms. It's actually to surrender everything and say, I'll totally do it on your terms. Because what makes them feel loved is what different than what's making you feel loved. It requires a servant spirit. Let me say this as a second follow-up point. In the realm purely of sexual intimacy, it requires a servant spirit. Like for a wife to serve her husband and for a husband to serve her wife. Men and women biologically are different. I could get into the details and the statistics. I'm, I'm not. 
but, but when they want it, how they want it, the frequency, all the different little dynamics, that's, that's not always perfect. It, always, it doesn't always align. So for you to meet each other's needs in terms of your sexual intimacy, like it requires a servant's spirit. Last, last thought on this, and I'll, I'll kind of move on. Like, because men and women are different, like, you need to know, like, like there's an old saying, like, um, men are like a microwave. And women are like a crock pot. Like, guys are instant. You know what I mean? Women, it, it's, it's a total mind, emotional, physical experience. So to make that happen, guys, I'm going to give you a little illustration of what that might look like. Because I want you to have a servant spirit. And I want you to know that to meet her needs, it will have to be done differently than how you get your needs met. This, this is going to give you a glimpse of what that looks like. Pretty good in them jammers. Are you serious? Why? I brush my teeth. Is that how you're going to do this? Chips in bed? Really? I was hungry. <laughs> now I'm hungry for something else. Are you kidding me? Hey. So, uh, what's it going to take for you now? Make this happen. You really want to know? Yeah. Lose the socks. Done. All right, listen, babe. Romance doesn't start when you jump into bed. It starts long before that. Okay. Socks in one pile, whites in another. Then I hand wash your delicates. Oh, yeah. Hey, baby. I bought these chocolates, but they're nowhere near as sweet as you are. Hey, babe, you know that fight we had? I'm sorry. I was wrong. I'm going to make this bathroom shine. Baby, I should have got rid of these things a long time ago. I told you. Give a hand clap for the surface if you would. Great. Great actors. Thank you for playing along. Hey, hey, like I said, romance flows from a servant's spirit. And what that means is this, is I will elevate your needs above my own. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make you feel loved on your terms. That, that's okay. La- ladies, let, let me say this on the other tip. Like, don't, if you're going to be a servant in the area of romance and sexual intimacy, you've you got to remember this, like, don't make him feel weird for being him either. Does that make sense? Like, like it, it, sex is a beautiful gift given by God, meant to be enjoyed by marriage, and, and it, ain't, it ain't weird, it ain't wrong. It, does that make sense? Like, and when you bring some of those, uh, maybe the, the childhood feelings or whatever religious church background you have, and if you let that filter into your mind and you bring that into your marriage, you, I know women that make their husbands feel weird for the wanting to as much as they do or whatever. Like, they're, they're just different. And so that's why it requires the idea that you are both in the exact same mood, wanting the exact same things at the exact same time that almost never happens it rarely happens so if that's not happening but a very very small percentage of the time what do you do the rest of the time you adopt a servant's mentality 
That's what I'm here to do is to serve you in the area of romance and sexual intimacy. Last thought, we're going to close quickly. Uh, last thought is this, is romance is in the little gestures, not just the big gestures. Ro- now, don't, don't get it twisted. The, the big gestures still matter. Um, nothing like jewelry for my wife. But romance is in the just because... It's in the little moments, it's in the notes, it's in the little times when you thought about them, it's in the little, as a matter of fact, there was a survey, and I want to share it with you, I'll be brief. There's a survey that I read recently, and it was about, and what they did was this, is they studied a broad range of marriages, and they took the ones that were incredibly happy, and they compared them to all the rest, and what they found was, is that in, in the area of the couples that had extreme happiness, they found that the couples were constantly doing little things, and they discovered what little things mattered the most, and so real quickly, I want to share this with you. Little things that, that make a huge difference, and this is for men. Um, so, ladies, this is huge for men. And if you look at it and you talk about this compared to what men's needs are, they correspond. Men, it, it means the world when you just say thank you. When they, they, they were mowing the lawn, they took out the trash, they did something, and, and, and sometimes you can say, well, that's what he ought to do. That's, well, that's his job. He didn't do nothing special. You know, you, you could say that, but I'm telling you, you'd be better off if you just said thank you. Like, like sometimes that's where we inside of a relationship begin to take things for granted with the other human being, don't we? Like that we just expect that they're supposed to do that. Well, yeah, maybe they are supposed to do that. But that doesn't mean we still can't be kind and be pleasant and just say, thank you. Men need encouraging words. I told you we need honor. We need ego boost. We need encouraging words. That means just, just bragging kind of flows in the same idea. Now, encouraging words many times are words that you give directly to them. Bragging is when you talk about them to other people and then it gets back to them. What are you bragging about? I'm telling you, many times bragging is more powerful than encouraging words. And I'll tell you why. Because as human beings, many times we're, we're skeptical. Have you ever had somebody try to say something really encouraging to you, but you kind of didn't believe it? Or thought they were just being nice? Or like trying to figure out what their angle was or whatever. But like, but when you hear that somebody was bragging about you to someone else, it's sometimes more powerful because you know they weren't even saying it to you. They were saying it to someone else about you and it was more powerful. Ladies, if what you do is get around other ladies and all dog out your man, that's a recipe for bitterness. Does that make sense? brag, encourage them to their face, brag about them behind their back. Number four is this sexual advances. I'm telling you, men appreciate when you make the move and then reassurance that you're happy because sometimes we don't know. And sometimes, and sometimes, and guys, you need to know this too. Sometimes they're in a bad mood just because they're in a bad mood. It ain't got nothing to do with you. But many times we take it personally and we try to go fix everything. But, but on the flip side, ladies, just letting them know every once in a while, like, hey, look, I'm, I'm happy with this or happy with that or I'm happy with our marriage. Just letting them know. It, it, it's just Now, all these things are little things that you can do, but they add up to romance. Number, uh, not number or anything else. Let's flip over to the, the, the girls. Five little things that add up for her. Guys, remember I said we talked about non-sexual. T- now, this is a survey. I didn't make this up. This isn't like, here are my five steps. This is just purely a statistical survey. These, these were women who said these are the little things that matter the most to them. Holds her hand. Ladies, do you, do you like holding hands? Any ladies like hand-holding? We can survey this whole church right now. Ladies, okay, daily check-ins of love. That little email, that little text message, that little phone call, that little note that you left on the mirror, whatever it is, those little daily check-ins. So guys, you should be taking notes right now. But when you put your arm around her or you put your hand on her knee, again, this is just a statistical survey. I didn't make this stuff up. When you compliment her beauty, and I think this one's huge. I hear this a lot from ladies when I talk to ladies. Guys, this means the world to them. When you pull yourself out of a funky mood instead of just withdrawing. Because guys, isn't that what we do? We're in a mood. We just don't want to talk. Leave me alone. I'm going to go be alone. I'm going to go do something. I'm going to go zone out and watch ESPN. Or I'm going to go to the shop. Or I'm going to go to the garage. Or I'm going to go. And we just kind of zone out. And I'm telling you, just again, this is a survey, but it makes complete sense to me. Your ability to say, you know what? I know I'm in a funky mood. But I told you, when you're driving home, when you pull in that driveway, you let it go, and you turn the dial, and you say, you know what, I'm going to give that other person my full attention. Why? Because they're worth it. They deserve it. What is romance? Last thought. Romance, just, just so we're all clear. Romance is communicating to your spouse that there is no one like you, that you are the most important person in my life. So here, here's, guys, this is where I want you to walk away from. I want you to walk away with this challenge. This is almost like a daily challenge, a weekly challenge. Your challenge should be this. 
can I somehow get her to fall in love with me all over again this week? Can I do that? Can I woo her, pursue her, make her laugh, make her smile, make her feel loved? Can I get her somehow? Can I trick her? Because I tricked her a long time. That's why we're together. You did not, guys, you did not get married purely based on your own good merit. You tricked them to some degree. You're not that good, that charming, or that handsome. I promised you somehow. Every week, how can I get them to fall in love with me again? It's the idea, men, women, wives, husbands, that we are always pursuing our spouse. We're always in pursuit. That never changes. Jesus said, you've lost your passion as a church and as a people. I want you to go back and do the things that you used to do. Because you used to pursue. You used to chase me down. You used to worship. You used to serve. You used to give. You used to do all these things because you were so passionate about our relationship. In the area of marriage, it is no different. Why do those romantic feelings sometimes fade? It's because we stop doing the things that we used to do. And I'm telling you, go back. Remember. Repent and return. Go back to doing the things that you used to do, which is this. You were always pursuing them. Let's pray this morning. Father, we bless you today, God, and we pray that we would today be challenged and be encouraged, be inspired, God, be informed. God, I pray that somebody walks out of this place with a thought, with an idea, with a nugget, with a game plan, with something that they are going to go out here and do. God, I pray for all the singles out there that, Lord God, they're just getting kind of on the ground floor and they're putting stuff away and they're storing stuff on the shelf right now for what will be down the road so that when they get into marriage, they're they're not caught off guard. They're not just shocked by why did it turn out this way they have a game plan going into this thing they know from from the get-go from the very beginning what they want to do differently so that they can keep love lasting a lifetime god for those of us who are married god i pray that you would help rekindle our romance that god you would help us do the things that we used to do regardless of our feelings god let us act our way into feeling romantic again lord god change our heart change our mind help us to repent and turn towards you In our marriage, help us to turn towards one another. God, that is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?